A few years ago, a good priest friend of mine, in fact, one that probably many of you know, Father Josh Voidis, we were kind of having this discussion about how nowadays we don't really hand much stuff on anymore. When you think about like the, the big family possessions, the things that used to get handed on to the next generation, we just don't have it as much. I mean, when you think about our big ticket items, right, the things that you save up for and you're excited to get, like a new TV for the house or your new phone, a new computer, heck, even the new car, it's not like those things are going to be passed down to your children's children, right? I mean, because nowadays, it's like as soon as you buy a new phone, like Apple has already added an S to it and yours is out of date. And it's just crazy, like, how quickly that comes. And it's going to be one of those things where, you know, not only are your grandchildren not going to know what that phone is, but, I mean, it's not like they're going to be able to use it. And so sort of like in rebellion against that, I bought a suitcase. And I'm thinking, wow, that is an incredible thing to do, Father, way to go. But what the deal was was this company... Uh, it's, it's like leather stuff. It's like this nice leather bag, right? And their tagline is, they'll fight over it when you're dead, okay? And that totally appealed to me. I was like, that's awesome. It's got like this 100-year guarantee. Pretty awesome. It'd be a good thing to get. And, you know, I like the bag. Now, obviously, I don't have any kids. I have six nephews and a niece. They'll fight over it when I'm dead. Um, but, you know, so I have the bag. It's great. But I'll tell you, I was kind of convicted this week in reading this gospel and reflecting on it and looking at just this interaction at the beginning of the gospel. Teacher, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. So what's happening with that inheritance? They're literally fighting over it when he's dead, right? And that doesn't bring this man all kinds of peace, does it? In fact, if you go back and look at, you know, for those of you keeping score at home, if you look at the readings that we've been following over the last couple weeks, We've actually skipped an entire chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Last week we wrapped up, I think it was 11.13. Today we're picking up at 12.13. And Jesus has been speaking, you know, giving a narrative, really excoriating the Pharisees. He's in the middle of speaking. And all of a sudden this guy calls out, Teacher, I want you to settle this between my brother and I. It's like, really? In the midst of all of this, like, working towards eternal life and, you know, getting the Pharisees right in the back, back right on the, the right track, here's this guy you know, worried about the inheritance. And of course, Jesus' response tells us exactly what we need to know. Friend, who appointed me as your judge and arbitrator? And then to go into all of this about greed and what really matters, what kind of an inheritance we leave that's not going to cause those after us to fight. And I think about the person in particular whose feast day we celebrate today. Today, August 4th, is the feast day of St. John Vianney, who is the patron saint of parish priests like me. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, he's the one diocesan priest, one parish priest to be a canonized saint. So that just proves how hard it is to be a pastor and to be canonized a saint. Keep me in your prayers, all right? But when you think about St. John Vianney, he is one of the least likely people to hand on an inheritance, so to speak. He grew up in a poor farming family in rural France at the end of the 18th century. He was a deserter from Napoleon's army. He did go to seminary, but it was a huge struggle for him. His intellectual abilities were not good. Like He really struggled like to learn Latin, really struggled to keep up in the classes. 
In fact, just as an aside, if you've ever been to the diocese, actually the archdiocese of Dubuque, Iowa, their founding bishop was Bishop Loris. And apparently, Bishop Loris's cause for canonization was opened. They were looking at studying whether or not he should be proclaimed a saint. Well, as they did some digging into his past, they found out he was a classmate of St. John Vianney. And notice, I'm not saying St. Bishop Loris. So Bishop Loris apparently like sat in front of St. John Vianney in class. And one day, St. John Vianney is like struggling to keep up. And like, you know, just he's like stuttering through the Latin and just can't get through it. And apparently Bishop Loris stood up and smacked him. And I guess St. John Vianney like knelt down for him and said, oh, please forgive me, brother. Yeah, I think we know which one eventually became a saint, right? Poor Bishop Loris, you know, he's probably having a bad day, but there you have it. But St. John Vianney, you know, goes through the process, struggles through, becomes the pastor of a small rural town in France, Ars, France, and ends up not only, like, converting the whole town, like, getting people in love with Christ, but, like, he loved poverty and embraced it so much, really spread devotion to the Blessed Sacrament and to our Blessed Mother. And here's the kicker, too. He would spend, like, 16 hours in the confessional. He apparently had the gift over time of being able to read hearts. Like, can you imagine? You come into the confessional, and you confess your sins, and he's like, wait a second weren't you really rude to your wife earlier today? You know, I mean, he knew what was going on, so much so that Lyon, France, which is like the nearby bigger town, had to build on to their train station because something like 300 people a day were going out to the country to go to St. John Vianney for confession. And the cool thing is, so he passed away in 1859. 150 years later, Pope Benedict XVI declared the year of priests in honor of the 150th anniversary of St. John Vianney's death. And it was during that year that myself and my three other classmates, Father Rossi, Father Miller, Father Carvajal, were ordained priests. I like to think of us as receiving that inheritance from St. John Vianney. Now, the cool thing is, you know, all of us, and really all of us priests, receive from that wonderful example, that inheritance. Really, so many people do, and we don't fight over it, you know? It's not like, you know, a few of us are like, oh, I get John Vianney's inheritance. No. Because of the way that he lived, because he had those rich treasures in heaven, still to this day, I mean, we're still receiving from what he left behind. And the other, one other thing, I just want to tell you one other story because I love it so much. He apparently would be really just um, bothered, not, not bothered personally, but harassed by the devil all the time. And St. John Vianney loved poverty. Like, he really loved living simply to the point that the devil apparently called him, you potato eater. Because, as he would sit in the confessional, it was apparently pretty cold, there wasn't heat, someone would bring him a baked potato, he would hold on to it for a while and warm up, then that would be what he'd eat for the day. I mean, when you think about that, that's such an amazing thing. And that was what the devil used to taunt him. He was excited and happy about it. So there he is, just eating potatoes, and still is a good example, a good hander-on of the faith. And I'll tell you, I'm incredibly blessed with the inheritance I've received from my own family. I know I've told you about this before, but I feel like sometimes it's good to bring it down to a local level. My grandfather was not a rich man. He had a high school education. He worked for Caterpillar Tractors in Illinois most of his life. He didn't hand on some sort of like a rich 
uh, money inheritance to his 19 grandchildren and his five kids, but he did hand on an inheritance. And it's not one that we fight over. I mean, in his retirement years, when I was growing up as a little guy, I'd sit at his feet while he made rosaries, and he shipped those into communist Russia. And then not too long before he died, the wall fell. Now, I'm not, I'm not crediting him with ending communism, but he helped, you know? And he helped hand on the faith to my, my siblings and I, to all of us grandkids. It was an inheritance that, frankly, we've never fought over at all. And so when you look at these kind of readings and think about what am I devoting my life to? What am I striving to grab onto? And that's where I say it's like those big ticket items these days. How long do they even last? And don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking money. I'm not knocking possessions. And I'll tell you, I mean, I'm happy that, you know, later on today, I will get into my Mazda and I will drive home. But my life isn't like, oh, I love my Mazda so much, you know? It's like, oh, I don't want to think about anything else. No, I mean, it's, it, it is what it is. It's fine. But I'll tell you, it, it's one of those things that's kind of easy to fall into in our day-to-day -day society with advertising everywhere, right? And I heard this wonderful definition of advertising not too long ago. And it's not complimentary. So if you're in advertising... I apologize, but this is what it was, is that advertising is basically like robbing us of our peace and then selling it back to us at a price. And we all know this feeling, right? Like I said, I like my Mazda, but as I'm driving around there, times like, ooh, maybe it's time to trade up. That's a really nice looking car. We, you know, we do these sort of things so often when we don't even necessarily need what's going on out there. And then by the time we actually have what it is, it's already outdated. We're already tired of it. We're already moving on to the next thing. And the trouble is, like, when you look at this parable, this man, I mean, go back and read this again. Notice how many times he thinks of anybody else but himself. He says, I, so many times, it's downright comical. And therein lies the trap of greed, when we only look in on ourselves. I mean, it's hellish. It becomes so closed in on itself. And then for what? For essentially nothing. Stuff that we're going to lose at some particular point, and especially today, how quickly this stuff is out of date and out of style. I mean, even with that bag that's going to last, I mean, it's not going to fall apart, but even when it comes time to hand it on, will it even still be in style? You know, I'm guessing, like, what are my niece and my nephews going to do? Put it in storage or give it away or throw it away, right? You know, that kind of stuff happens so easily. So what do we do in response? We thank God for the fact that we have treasure in this life that doesn't go away, that doesn't eventually go out of style, that doesn't rust, that doesn't fall apart. Ultimately, the love of Christ, the Eucharist, Jesus Christ coming to us, that we look ahead to what's coming in heaven that we get to participate in right now. If there's one thing to hand on, not only to the next generation, but to the whole world right now, it's something of value, something that's real, the love of Christ that we receive truly, substantially in this sacrament. And so to ask ourselves each and every day that question, am I holding on to what's most important? Or am I letting that vanity of vanities? And that word that comes from the Hebrew has the sound of and basically means bubbles, okay? Like stuff that just flitters away so quickly, just like our awesome iPhones and our cars and how quickly it's gone and just doesn't matter anymore. 
But what is so important is what truly lasts, the love of Christ. It's real, it's substantial, and it's the kind of inheritance that they won't fight over, that the more that they share it, it grows. The more that we share it right now, it grows. God gives us all of this, not to tell us, oh, all of these riches are bad. No, but ultimately to save us from being so consumed by them that we become a jerk like this guy in the parable, just totally concerned with ourselves and consuming all of this stuff. That's not what we're made for. We're made for so much more, namely the treasure that lasts forever, the treasure that is the love of Christ. My brothers and sisters in Christ, let's ask for that grace to shed the greed, to get away from being so focused on the stuff that we need to have, the stuff that's ultimately going to flitter away like bubbles, and ask for the grace to hold on to what is real, namely him and his love. Praise be Jesus Christ.